Hey everybody, it's Pastor Mike, and I want to say thank you for joining us today at LifePoint Church. We believe Sundays are an opportunity for you to know God. We also believe small groups, the best thing we do, are your opportunity to find freedom. For more information, including locations, service times, which small groups to participate in, please visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. My prayer for you as you listen to our message today is to encourage you and to help you take your next step to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Let's jump right into the message. School, everybody. Okay. Uh, Philippians 4, I'm excited to preach a simple yet challenging message I've entitled Pathway to Peace. Pathway to Peace. How many of you would say like there are seasons in your life, maybe you're in one right now where you would say, I just need, I need some peace in my life. Right, everybody? Anybody? Come on. Uh, anybody ever struggle to figure out how to get there? Very often our peace is conditional. Our peace is based on all of our circumstances being figured out, fixed, and right. But I wanna talk to you today uh, from Philippians 4 about what we see from the Apostle Paul as a pathway to peace. Now, I don't know if you're tracking this or not, but there is an alarming rise in our culture in the last three years especially, but even in the last 20 years, an alarming rise in our culture of anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, confusion about identity, general stress about things. If you were to ask most people in the middle of the week, like you say, hey, how's it going? How's your week going? Very often people respond with, I'm really busy. Oh man, so much on my plate right now. Oh, I'm stressed about this, that, or the other. We use stressed as a general moniker for like what we're feeling and thinking all the time now. There's stress about our economy, stress about inflation, our nation, the election coming up. Did you guys know we're all gonna be friends all the way through the next presidential election? Amen. Let's just decide right now. We're gonna be friends. Did you know 250 years of American experience and we're still like, this is where we've landed. So we're gonna make it, everybody. I'm just telling you, we're gonna be friends. Okay, uh, the debates about a climate, natural disasters in the, in the news, of course, the threat of major global conflicts. To say we're living in stressful times is an understatement. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter three that in the last days, it'll be perilous times of great stress. I mean, there's, there's something that's to be expected there, but I believe as God's people, we can live it with peace in times of stress. Now, before I get into this talk, I just need to be a pastor for a minute. I was writing this message and I really felt compelled to pull out of the text, the, the sermon for a second, just to encourage you guys and to say something to you. So can everyone look at the real me here unless you're at a video venue? I just wanna say this to you as your pastor. I pray for you regularly, but specifically I pray that your mind and heart would be at peace. I pray for your families, I pray for your home, I pray for you that you would be at peace in your mind and at heart. I pray for you that Jesus, the Prince of Peace, would reign in your life, in your home, in your heart, in your family, and everywhere you walk would be a place where God's peace is with you. When you read Ephesians 6, it talks about the armor of God, right? The helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, the shoes prepared with the gospel of the preparation of peace. In my opinion, that means everywhere I walk, I'm armed with God's peace. And I pray that over you. I pray that you would be people of peace. And let me just say this. If you are in a situation or a season right now where you're dealing with high levels of stress, anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, I wanna encourage you, it's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. And I wanna invite you to connect to a good Christian counselor, connect to one of our pastors, one of our pastoral care team. Our pastoral care team is incredible and there's nothing you could say to them that they've not heard or our pastors haven't heard because we want to serve you in this way. Definitely get connected into a good 
small group. One of our care groups on Monday nights, grief share, divorce care, reboot, combat recovery. Did you know that like suicidal ideation within the military is at an alarming rate? And I just wanna tell you, it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay there. I wanna invite you to let your church come alongside you. Just know that I've prayed for you for this and we wanna serve you in this area of your life. All right. There is uh, plenty of research online and available. I don't wanna go through all the stats, but you can look at this. In in, in particular, in the last 20 years among young people, teenagers and young adults, the rise of depression and anxiety has spiked in an unforeseen ever in any previous generation way. Like it has just gone off the charts. And and, And one of the main culprits, one of the main reasons why they believe young adults and teenagers are dealing with this so much is the advent of smartphones and social media. Can I just pause again as a pastor and a dad and just ask all of you parents, please delay screens, tablets, and social media for as long as possible with your kids. Listen, I know this isn't popular and your kids will fight you for it. I get it. I've lived with the fights. But on behalf of their mental health and their future, they will thank you one day for your willingness to guard and protect them. Social media is like, it's a constant Uh, anxiety inducer because you live on the affirmation of strangers and the likes and the hearts and the buttons and the comments. And it's, it's actually not healthy. There's a lot of research on this, but I just want to encourage you parents, please. Some parents came up to me after the first service and said, my little four-year-old has a tablet already. I go, yep, it broke today. Like just snap it on the, (laughs) give them books and woodblock toys and dirt and sticks. Like I promise you it's not popular. I know that it's not popular and it won't be with your kids, but if you can delay that as long as possible, you will put them at an advantage, I promise you. So there's a lot of research about this stuff and I wanna encourage you to do your own research, but let me just ask you this question. What do you do when you're feeling overwhelmed? What do you do when your stress level is high, your anxiety levels rise to the point that you can't sleep? You're having heart palpitations or headaches. Never in my life until this spring, this past year, have I ever had stress headaches or panic attacks. But this year, I was dealing with constant headaches and, and, and there were some situations going on, just a lot of things happening at once. And I'll, I'll never forget the one time in the middle of the night, I just woke up from my bed. I just sat up at like 2.30 in the morning. My heart was beating really fast and I was having pr- problems breathing. I'm like, what in the world is this? This has never happened to me before. I look over my wife, she's snoring. She don't even care. <laughs> she doesn't snore, but she says I do. I don't ever hear it. Anyway... I sat up going, I don't know what to do with this. And I learned later that it was an, a panic attack. I never had that before. What do you do when this happens to you? What do you do when you have a general lack of peace in your life? What, who do you turn to when you're wrestling with worry? What do you say when the pressures and stress of this world seem to overtake you? Well, Paul, the apostle Paul in Philippians 4, I believe is gonna give us an amazing pathway or a process that I believe will help you not only believe in God's word for peace, but actually take some steps. How many of you know it's not enough to think about it, but to do it? And that's what I really want for you today. I want everybody to take notes on this message. I promise you it'll help you. I don't want us to just think right or grow in our theology and our brain. I want us to grow with some real tools in our belt to find and and sustain God's peace in our lives. Let me tell you this, if you're a counselor or a pastor on our team or or you're a small group leader, these are great tools that'll help you as well. So please take good notes. If you remember in the previous passage, uh, Philippians chapter three, Paul has been stressing, pushing really hard about keeping our faith in Jesus. We're not saved by our works. We don't have to keep the law, but we get to live under Christ, in Christ. Our salvation is from Jesus by faith. 
And then he told us in last week's message that we press forward towards this upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is the life that we live, right? Like we're straining towards this. We're saying no to things. We're forgetting the things behind us and we're pressing forward towards this upward call of God in Christ. That we make sure that we follow godly examples. We pursue our walk with God. And now we have this amazing passage to teach us how to walk with peace. And so we call this a pathway to peace. And the first thing I want us to pay attention to is the church should be a refuge of peace. How many of you want this to be a church where you come in and you're like, man, it's a breath of fresh air. I love it every time I'm here. It not only smells good, but it feels good and the people are kind and there's no drama for your mama up in here. Can anybody say amen? We've worked really hard for that. We don't wanna have that here. But I believe the church should be a refuge for people who are broken, who are wounded, who are far from God. It's like a hospital. You don't need healthy people in hospitals, right? You need sick people in hospitals. And the church should be a place where folks are trying to find Christ, walk with Christ, pursue Christ, and be devoted to Christ. The church should also be a refuge of peace. Now watch this. In chapter four, verse one, he starts with, and this was last week's closing text, but he said, my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord. So we're gonna stand in the Lord. Our walk is with Christ. Our life is in Jesus. Then he says this in verse two. I entreat, it's not a word we use a lot today, but it's I plead, I'm pleading with, I'm begging. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche. If you're looking for baby names, hey, I'm just throwing some out if you're pregnant. Okay, look at what he says. I am pleading, entreating, begging Euodia and Syntyche to to agree in the Lord. He said, I want y'all ladies to get along in Jesus' name. Okay, we're gonna unpack this in just a second because this feels like a WWE match about to happen right here. I entreat, I'm pleading, Euodia and Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, my true companion, which we we have this unnamed recipient of this letter, and here he's kind of naming this person, uh, this true companion. Some uh, some verses call it uh, Syzygus or a yoke fellow. Hey, my brother, here's here's what he's saying. I entreat Euodia and Syntyche, get along in the Lord. My brother, help me out. That's what he's saying. This is Mike's international version. Yes, I ask you also, my true companion, my brother, help these women. Okay, I don't know about you. I don't wanna have such a drama between somebody else that it makes the Bible. Y'all hear what I'm saying, everybody? Like, you know you're a problem when they leave your name in the scripture for the bad stuff you've done. Okay, we're gonna come back to this in a second. So I'm pleading with you, get along, agree in the Lord. I'm asking you, my true companion, help these women. Now look how Paul admonishes them. These are women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel. In other words, high-level leaders, they've done the work I've done, Paul says. The apostle Paul, these are my side-by-side companions, but for some reason they're fighting now. They've worked together with Clement, Clement Hall, Austin P. It's in the Bible. Praise the Lord, we're at Clement Auditorium right now, everybody. All right. They have labored side-by-side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers. Like these are leading ladies in the church work along with all these other workers whose names I don't have time to name. They're, They're written in the book of life. Now, I don't want to spend a ton of time here, but I do want to acknowledge there was some drama in the Philippian church. Anybody ever been a part of a church with drama? Don't raise your hand. But it was important to Paul that we keep the peace among some of the ladies that were there. Now, somehow these two ladies, and they got name dropped in the Bible, y'all. This is crazy. But they were well known in the church. They were leaders. In fact, Paul said they labored side by side with him. What that probably means is they were 
church planting. They were preaching and teaching. They were traveling with him and doing the same work as him. But for some reason, Euodia and Syntyche were no longer getting along. Paul is using strong language saying, I'm begging you to get along. They have, that, that they have agreement between the two of them in the Lord. Don't just get along, but do it because of Jesus. Now, I'm not 100% clear what the disagreement was. Scholars aren't clear either. It could have been over theological differences, could have been over service orders, it could have been over skinny jeans and blue lights or robes and hymnals. Could have been fighting over a man, who knows? But for whatever reason, Paul takes a moment in the letter from prison. You gotta imagine his thinking. He's like, oh man, I forgot them two ladies are fighting. From prison, and he writes this down and he says, please, I'm begging you, get along in the Lord. Either way, Paul found it serious enough to call them out and mention their dispute in the scripture. I don't wanna have drama with anybody, just so you know. Like, I don't like picking fights. I don't like being in fights. I like winning fights, but I don't like starting them. You know what I'm saying, everybody? But I especially don't want drama within the church family. I remember years ago, like when we were smaller, like there were, there'd have to be times where people wanna cause a stir and post about things they disagreed with on social media. And you know, when you're small and you're struggling and this church was barely keeping the bills paid, you're really nervous about that stuff. And I go, look, we don't have time for this kind of drama. And I used to say the phrase, save the drama for your mama. If you wanna be a dramatic church, find you another one. We're just not gonna do it. But we've worked really hard to preserve that in our church, but I certainly don't want drama within our church family. Paul's not only pleading with those ladies to get along, but watch this. He's asking others in the church to help out in this conflict. I'm asking you also help these women. This is why we want you in small groups and serving on dream teams so that we can work through conflict when they arise. It doesn't mean that you won't have conflict. It's that you choose to resolve that because the church should be a place of peace. Let it be so, amen, everybody. Let it be so that we would choose to be a church full of people who desire to get along, who work towards getting along and choose to work together in that effort. The, the Bible says in, in Ephesians chapter two, Paul writes as one of the things for Christians is that we bear with one another. You know what that means? Put up with folks. You ever notice like there's just sometimes you come in a church with this many people and they, you're bound to have somebody that rubs you the wrong way. You ever come to church? Don't raise your hand. You ever come to church and, and you see somebody here that you know from work or like from, from them streets, you know what I'm saying? And you're like, I can't believe who, and what am I going to do? Look, that's why we have multiple services. It's called custody sharing. Like we'll put you in second service and them in fourth or we'll launch them over to Austin P, whatever. Like we've had couples over the years, like they just irreconcilable difference, have mistakes, whatever, and they divorce. And it's so tragic, by the way, let's work hard to reconcile relationships. God can do it. I, I believe that he can every time, but you got to both be willing. Anyway, we've had couples that split up and they love this church together. They raise their kids here. And then they go, well, I guess I got to find another church. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You didn't break up with me. And then I say, we're gonna split custody here. That's what I've told them as their pastor. You go into first service and you go into fourth. Y'all ain't even passing in the parking lot. You're not even, mm -mm. <laughs> Can it be that we, LifePoint, would choose to be a church full of people who desire to get along because we believe the church is a place for peace? Can I hear an amen, everybody? Amen. Jesus actually taught us how to deal with conflict in Matthew 18. If you're around a thousand people at a time, like you're gonna deal with conflict. Here's what Jesus taught in Matthew 18. He said, if you are offended by someone, you who are offended, go tell them their offense. But we live in a world where it's like, if you make me mad, I'm gonna cut you off and go cold on you and I'm gonna badmouth you and gossip about you and I'm gonna wait for you to come and apologize to me. Well, that's just not what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you're offended, you go tell them you're offended. And I've said this for years, if you're not willing to confront offense, you shouldn't be willing to carry offense. 
Jesus said, if you've been offended, go tell them. Hey man, I gotta just tell you to your face. You really hurt my feelings. You upset me. You offended me. When? And then he said, if your brother or sister hears you, you can reconcile, praise God. But if they don't, and it's still bothering you and nagging at you, Jesus said, go tell two or three people, the mutual friends, maybe your small group leaders or whatever. And if they still don't listen, he says, and, and it's just hurting you that bad, take it to the leadership of the church. And then he says, if they listen, great. And if they still don't listen, then treat that person like a Gentile or an outsider, which doesn't mean cast them into a lake of fire. It means you move them from your, your conflict list to your prayer list. Like you don't get out of relationship with someone because they've offended. You don't get the privilege under Christ to just cut people off and condemn them to hell. No, no, no. If you can't resolve conflict, you gotta resolve it in prayer. Jesus taught us this. Like that, these are just steps that the Lord taught us. We're charged by scriptures to forgive quickly, to forgive always. Let's not be dramatic people. In Romans 12, 18, Paul writes to the Roman church. He said, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now listen, you can't control them. I can never control Alabama fans wearing them shirts to this church. I can't control that. Every week, Willie. But what I can control is how well I treat them. And I'm praying for you, your soul, everything. <laughs> Sorry, it's too far. As far as it depends on you, you can't control others, but you can control you. The text says that these ladies labored with Paul, along with Clement, they were laboring with as fellow workers with others. Here, here's what you gotta understand. When there's drama in the church house, it actually affects our mission. It affects what we're trying to do. And we are way too focused on reaching lost people and discipling Christians and building churches to be caught up in some kind of church drama. Can I hear an amen from the church today? And by the way, I just wanna pause and say, I, I think it's interesting, Paul says, these ladies worked with me side by side in the gospel with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. In other words, he's going, I can't write everybody's name down in, in Philippi, but God knows their names. I feel like that's the Philippian dream team. It's like you guys that serve here. There are so many of you that serve faithfully as dream teamers. And I just wanna say, your name may never be listed on our social media. You may not get any accolades and many of you aren't doing it for that anyway. And I'm so thankful for that. Your picture may not get it on our social media anytime soon or whatever, but I'm telling you, God sees your labor. God is so proud of you and thankful for your labor and your name is listed with the Lord in his book of life. Can I hear an amen? In fact, as an honor though, for I just wanted to, I got some names that I just wanted to throw out of our dream team and I, they're literally uh, a thousand or more of you, but uh, just today, I just wanna mention some thanks to Alice Garcia, who serves on our dream team, Patricia Patterson, Steve Nicholson, Stacy Wyatt on a camera, Katie Hagman on Pro Presenter. The, running the screens in the backstage is Katie Hagman who keeps this all running for us. Bobby Wallen's a drummer who serves. Lisa Kitchen who serves from her home because of a, a, an illness, but she serves to host our online campus and to pray for people. Jesse Bramza, Clayton Bollinger, who's a teenager who can outwork all of us. Monica and Carl Knighton, Sam and Steve Tomlin. Gail Bollinger, Clayton's mom, Clayton's at Austin P campus serving as a teenager, Jonathan Nowlin, Christine Thomas, Melissa Plemons, Paul Saxman. I just wanna thank you for those of you whose names are not listed anywhere, but Jesus knows your name and we see you. And on behalf of all of our church, we say thank you. Thank you for serving. Okay, so now this pathway to peace, I want you to write this down. It's the Apostle Paul's power pack pattern and pathway for peace. 
<laughs> we, were, we were working at sermon prep and we didn't know what to call this section. So we kind of jokingly said that and I, they dared me to do it. So there you go. The Apostle Paul, power pack, pattern and pathway for peace. Now I'm gonna read this text in its entirety, verses four through seven, and then I'm gonna unpack it for you slowly. Watch this, watch this pathway, this pattern. I wanna be careful that we're not creating a formula by which we can obligate God and go, if I do this, God, you have to do that. No, no, no. I wanna show you a pattern though that you can pattern your life after and experience the peace of God. Watch this, verse four. Rejoice in the Lord always. Everybody say always. Again, I say rejoice. It's one thing to repeat yourself verbally. It's a whole other thing to repeat yourself in print. Paul says, rejoice. Again, I'm saying it, rejoice always. He says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Man, that is a word right there. Then he says, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Notice he's saying, Rejoice always, let your reasonableness be known to everyone, all this exhaustive language. The Lord's at hand, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God. In the original language, this could be from God, the same peace that God has. How many of you know the Lord's never stressed? He's never anxious, he never wrings his hands going, I don't know how we're gonna make it today the peace from God, which surpasses all understanding. It will not even make sense why you're at peace. Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Remember last week we talked about this motif that Paul has of being in Christ. Now I wanna be careful, this is not a formula, but it's a pattern, a way to pattern your life. If we will, I'm not saying if you do these four steps, you're guaranteed to have peace, but I am telling you if you don't have peace, maybe you need to establish are these patterns in your life. I believe we can learn a pattern established. So watch this, let's unpack this together. First of all, rejoice in the Lord. Have you ever noticed the stuff we rejoice in? We rejoice at football games. We rejoice in our kids graduating. We rejoice in our person getting elected. When's the last time you just rejoiced in Jesus? I'm not talking about a Sunday morning with a band in front of you. I'm talking about Monday through Saturday, pop in a worship album, just get flat-footed and say, the Lord is good and he is great and greatly to be praised. Paul said it twice and he said, no excuses, always rejoice in the Lord, always. We've made rejoicing so circumstantial. I'll rejoice when everything's working. I'll praise God when I get my way. No, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. So when's the last time you just decided I'm gonna be a worshiper? I'm gonna be a praiser. I'm gonna find my joy in Jesus. Man, rejoice in the Lord always. Start by saying things like this. Well, praise God. That's one of the easiest ways you can just rejoice in the Lord. Next time your coworker comes to you and say, well, they let go of three people today. Well, praise God. <laughs> How are you gonna praise God for that? I don't know. But he said, rejoice in the Lord always. They come at you, somebody, your kid come to you and say, mom, I got an A on my paper. Well, praise the Lord. We rejoice in the Lord. Your kid said, well, I took the test, not the Lord. Well, who do you think gave you that brain? Praise God. He just says, rejoice in the Lord. I want us all to just decide. I'm gonna be a person whose joy is in Jesus. I'm a worshiper. During this 21 days, I told our family, I said, we're not listening to anything but worship music in our house. Can I tell you something? It's literally, it's adjusted the temperature of our house. There's more getting along, sitting longer, laughing together. Just rejoice in the Lord. Second, he said, be reasonable to everybody. Ooh, Lord, God, help me. I'm about to shout preach right now. 
can we be a fruit of the spirit person all the time? We're so dependent on our feelings. Get over your feelings and follow the word of God and your faith in Christ. Galatians 5 says the fruit of the spirit, the evidence of the spirit of God on the inside of you is reasonableness. It looks like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He said, be reasonable to everybody. Unreasonable people are not peaceful people. Have you ever noticed you're not at peace when you're fighting with everyone? Sometimes we go, I'm gonna fight for peace. No, just hush your mouth. Just be nice. Let people have the lane. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Just be reasonable. Is this unreasonable? Is that what Y'all track, they're pointing at my friend back there. Just be reasonable. Look what he says, to everyone. Well, I can't be reasonable to them because they don't vote like me, look like me, date like I believe. You can be reasonable to everybody, everybody. Look at the third thing he says. And he caveats it with a theological truth. The Lord is at hand. God is with us. And then he says, the action step, so reject anxiety and don't worry. He says, don't be anxious about anything. Why can we do that? Because we know that God is with us. We have a word from God. We have a promise from Jesus himself who said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. We have a promise from God that greater is he that is in me than he that's in this crazy, anxious world. I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I'm an overcomer, not an undertaker. Y'all hear what I'm saying, everybody? I'm trying to get my preach on right now. Don't forget that God is with you always. In order to reject anxiety and worry, it's not burying your head in the sand, it's remembering the Lord is with me. The Holy Spirit of God lives on the inside of me. What can man do to me? What can this world actually do to me? Even to leave this world is to be present with the Lord. What am I worried about? And I'm doing a funeral tomorrow and a visitation today for a man who just knew I'm gonna be with Jesus. And he wasn't worried. He says, the Lord is at hand, so reject anxiety, reject worry. Don't forget God's with you. Part of rejecting anxiety is remembering the promises of God. It's hard to be worried and anxious and look at all the things here in this world when your focus is up to the kingdom of heaven. Then he gives us this other part of the pattern. Make your requests known to God. Peter writes it like this, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. He says, tell God what's stressing you out. Notice then, he says, make your requests to known. We are invited to give God everything. You know, in Jesus' uh, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter six, he teaches us how to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come. But before he teaches the pattern of prayer, he gives us a theological truth. He says this, God knows everything you need before you ask him, but talk to him anyway. Some of us are like, well, God knows what I need. If he wants to change it, he can change it. He can fix it. What? No, no, no. God is still inviting you to fellowship and intimacy with him. So, Make your request known to God. And then he gives us a three-tiered steps for how to do that. By prayer, which is, this is just showing up. This is God, I'm here. Hey, Lord, it's talking to God. It's having a meeting with the Lord. And with supplication, which is your asking. This is humble appeal. God, I'm humbling myself. I'm trusting you. He said, make your request known to God with prayer, with supplication, and with thanksgiving. Sometimes we only know how to thank God when he does what we've asked him to do. I want you to thank God before you even ask him for anything. When I was a brand new Christian, my first pastor, Greg Harper, taught me how to do, like he taught me so much from the Bible, from scripture, and how to pray. I'll never forget him teaching me how to pray. I didn't know what to say in prayer. I didn't know how to pray in the King's English. I didn't know our Father is in heaven. I didn't know. I was such a brand new Christian. And Greg Harper opened every single prayer with these 
three statements. Every time I heard him pray, he would pray like this. Father God, I come to you in the name of Jesus and I thank you for, and then he'd start going. He would say, Father in heaven, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for. Before he ever asked for anything, my leg could be falling off. I could be bleeding out the side. He'd go, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. Mike has organs to bleed out of that body right now. In Jesus' name, he's a man after your heart. And so Lord, you know, he, he always started with thanks. Before you ask God for anything, be thankful to the Lord. How many of you do better with your kids when they come to you with a thankful attitude versus an expectant attitude? Y'all hear what I'm saying? So Paul gives us his thing. He says, make your request known to God with prayer, with supplication, and with thanks. And then he gives this result. And the peace of God, the peace that God has. Do you understand how monumental this is? Not the peace from the economy, not the peace from Washington, D.C., not the peace from your family all getting along. The same peace that God has will guard your heart and your mind. Again, I wanna be careful that we don't make this a formula. Okay, Lord, I rejoiced. I was reasonable this week. I said no to worry. And I prayed. So I'm bossing you and I'm demanding you to give me peace. No, no, no. What I'm trying to show you though is there is a pattern that you can set your life here and you should expect a result here. So here's the question. If you're not experiencing the peace that God has, which he says is beyond understanding, it's not even comprehensible. How do you have peace when you're when you've been wrestling with your identity all these years. Well, I submitted it all to God and I've been praying about it. I've been rejoicing in spite of my satisfactions. And all of a sudden I have peace from heaven and it doesn't even make sense. But you've been this way your whole life. I know it doesn't make sense. All your friends believe this about you. I know it doesn't make sense. It's beyond understanding. How do you have peace when you just lost a job? Because my hope and my confidence is not there. My confidence is in the Lord and I rejoice instead of, and I'm reasonable to everyone still. I didn't go out like Jerry Maguire kicking the building down. I just left reasonably. How do you have peace? Because I position myself in the ways that God's word told me to pattern my life after. So the question I would challenge you with, if you don't have peace, do you not have this pattern? If you don't have God's peace, I would ask you like, are you praying? Why don't you have peace? Are you reasonable? Are you kind? Are you a fruit of the spirit person? It's hard to be at peace when you're a jerk. It's hard to be at peace when you refuse to let God in in prayer. Are y'all hearing me everybody? And it's really hard to be at peace when you can't see the goodness of God and rejoice in him. So, so here's what I believe is our responsibility. Build this Apostle Paul's power pack pattern of peace. You just decide, I'm gonna build this into my life. I'm gonna rejoice. For me, that means I'm gonna, I'm gonna make some decisions to, to set my, my, my language differently. I'm gonna praise God when it doesn't make sense. I'm gonna reject worry. It's not that I'm gonna like denounce it or like bury my head in the sand and whatever. I, sometimes for us to reject worry and anxiety means I'm gonna find a counselor who helps me process through that. I'm gonna get with my pastor and I'm gonna talk to my small group leader and I wanna have God's peace. But all I can do is position myself in a way that's patterned after this word. Are y'all hearing me, everybody? So then he goes on to say this in verse eight and I think this is really, like, really powerful. You gotta keep your thought life right if you're gonna have peace. You can have prayer, you can be a worship singer, you can be a reasonable person, but if your internal thoughts are toxic, and watch this, if you're putting toxic thoughts in through media and national news cycles, you wanna lose your peace? Put Fox News or CNN on repeat. You wanna lose your peace? Scroll on social media longer than when your legs fall asleep on the toilet, everybody. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You know. 
Just stay on there. You want to lose your peace? Get in the mire of what drama's happening in the world. Look at what he says in verse eight and nine. Finally, brothers, second time Paul says finally in his letter, by the way. Whatever's true and honorable and just, pure, lovely, commendable. This is my wife's favorite verse, by the way. If there's any excellence, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And it's hard to have stuff like this when we're thinking about our sin, our regret, the grief of our past. This is why you need grief share and combat reboot recovery. And this is why you need divorce care. This is why you need a small group and a counselor so that you can get your head right and get your thoughts right. Are y'all hearing everybody? This is really simple, but hard to do. Part of having peace that God provides is to watch your thought life. Man, if you wanna have an essay or an, uh, like a masterclass on your thought life, talk to Pastor Mike Campbell, our missions pastor. Be careful what you allow into your mind and your eyes and your ears and your thoughts. Norman Vincent Peale wrote a very well-known book called The Power of Positive Thinking, and some people uh, have used that book for years. Peale was a Methodist pastor who often cited biblical texts in his book pushing the reader to guard your thought life, keep a positive focus. And he said things like this, keep your heart free from hatred of others. That's a good pathway to peace, right? Keep your mind free from worry. He said, live simply. You ever notice many of us are stressed just trying to protect all the stuff we've amassed? Live simply, expect less. Give generously. This is why we give you opportunity to feed kids around the world and give up a day's wages. It helps you. That'll actually produce some peace in you to know that you've done something generously. Think less of yourself and more of others. This is thought life stuff. Whatever's good and true and just and pure and lovely, commendable, anything excellent, worthy of praise, set your minds there. Paul writes in Colossians, keep your mind focused on the things of heaven, not the things of this world. A huge part of having peace in your life is to guard your mind thought life. Most people that struggle with anxiety and worry are literally dwelling on thoughts that they can't overcome. This is why you need counsel. This is why you need a small group. This is why you need a team of people praying for you. And it's why you need to rejoice in the Lord. Spend time in prayer. Be reason. Are y'all hearing me, everybody? These are great patterns for us to pattern our lives. If your mind's consumed with all that stresses you out, social media, national news, bad movies and music, your sin, it'll keep you in anxiety. But we're God's people. We want the peace of God, the same peace that God has to guard our minds and hearts in Christ. In Jesus' uh, gospel of Matthew, Jesus said, don't be anxious about anything. I mean, it seems really easy when you're God to say that kind of stuff. But he says, your father already knows everything you need. Here's what he said in Matthew 6. Don't worry about what we'll eat, drink, or what we'll wear, or whatever. He said, Gentiles worry about these things, but your father worries about you. He knows what you need. And then he said this in verse 32. Seek first the kingdom of God and seek his righteousness, and God will take care of all the things that need to be added unto you. Can I hear an amen, everybody? So listen, we trust God. We trust God's word. And when it comes to how to live with God's peace, we choose to live at peace. Let me just recap here before we close. Finally, we choose to live at peace with each other. We rejoice with the Lord, in the Lord. We, we commit to being reasonable people. We reject worry and anxiety because we know that the Lord is at hand. We pray, we guard our thoughts. Are y'all seeing the pattern here? This is what you can control. And then we get to practice these patterns of peace. So, so listen, I've given you like six different things that you can do. 
And if you walk away with those six things bullet pointed on a note card and don't do anything with them, it's a failure on my part as your pastor and a failure on your part to do what the word says. But we get to practice patterns of peace. Moving forward this week, I want you to put all these things into practice. Look what Paul says in verse nine. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Isn't that so good? So clear and instructive from the apostle Paul. What you've learned, received, heard, and seen, practice these things. And now notice how the promise has shifted. Remember before he says, submit all things to the Lord with prayer and supplication and the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. Now he's saying, and the God of peace will actually be with you. It's not just that you'll have God's peace, but you'll have God's presence. Listen to this, y'all. When we instilled this pattern, it's like, like keep going, keep working at it. If you go, well, this week was tougher, but better than last week. Like keep this pattern in front of you. Rejoice, be a worshiper, be a prayer person, be a reasonable person, guard your thought life and the peace of God, the peace from God will be yours, but you keep after it. And what he's telling you is the God of that peace will also be with you. I want more than his hand. I want his presence, everybody. Y'all hear what I'm saying? I think the peace of God is great. We want the same peace that he has. But as we grow in the peace of God, we grow in the presence of the God of that peace. So what does it look like you, for you this week to rejoice? For me, it looks like that we require that I'm gonna commit to going to being a part of God's church. I'm gonna be a part of my small group. I'm gonna share the goodness of God with others. I'm gonna put worship music on when I'm driving, when I'm at home. I'm gonna be a rejoicer. What does it mean to be reasonable? It means I'm gonna to commit to accountability of doing life with others in small groups and being a student of God's word and prayer. The scripture says in Romans 12 that we're transformed by the renewing of our mind, becoming reasonable by learning the word of God. You gotta let God transform you. Here's a way to be reasonable, hush. Speak less and listen more. How am I gonna reject worry and anxiety? I'm gonna trust God's presence with me. I'm gonna to commit to growing in relationship with Jesus and seeking godly counsel through my pastor, my professional counselor, my, my trust in God, I'm gonna pray. That means I'm gonna set aside regular, guys, I'm almost done if you wanna wait to leave. It means we're gonna set aside regular time to talk with God, to submit to God, to let my request be made known to God. And I'm gonna guard my thoughts. I'm gonna consider everything that's coming in. Where am I dwelling with my mind? Where am I focusing on? Hey, listen, I'm gonna repent of sin and make proper life adjustments. Here's what you can do. You can practice the pathways to peace. And then you can trust that the peace of God and the God of that peace will be with you. I think of the peace of God like the fragrance of his presence, but the God of peace is the presence of his presence. Part of practicing this is it's doing it in fellowship with others. I wanna encourage you this week in your small group to talk about these pathways to peace, these practices, work on it, be accountable to each other. And he says, the God of peace will be with you. You don't just want his peace, that's great. But even more than that, you want his presence. And let me tell you something, when you experience his presence, nothing rattles that. God, would you move mightily in us right now in Jesus' name. We've heard your word, we receive it by faith. We thank you, Lord God, that you would speak overwhelmingly to us about this peace from God and the presence of Almighty God. Lord, we've heard these pathway statements, these patterns that we can put into practice today to pray and to trust and to be reasonable and to rejoice. Lord, I pray that we would, with conviction, begin to put these things 
into our daily lives, into our practices. And Lord, we wanna count on you for the peace that's beyond understanding and for your presence. So Lord, we submit ourselves to you today, submit ourselves to this word, and we submit ourselves ultimately to Jesus, our Prince of Peace. Would you pray this with me and mean it from the bottom of your heart? Say, God, I've heard your word. I believe what I've heard and I receive it by faith in Jesus' name. Say, God, I confess my sins. I ask you to forgive me, to cleanse me, to heal me, to transform me, that I can know your peace and I can walk in your presence in Jesus' name. Say, God, I'm all in. To the glory of God, I'm all yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to our message. My prayer for you is that you've been inspired and challenged by the message and also moved in your devotion to Jesus. If you'd like to grow in your walk with Jesus Christ, stay connected or even partner with us through generosity, please be sure to visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. We hope you have a blessed week and we will see you next Sunday.